This is Japan Baseball Weekly. News, interviews, analysis, and your questions all about NPB. And now your hosts, Johnny Gibson and Jim Allen. Hi, and welcome to the Japan Baseball Weekly Podcast. It's for the week of February 19th. I'm John Gibson, and with me on a Friday night, a Friday night at a decent hour is Jim Allen. What's happening, dude? Uh, not too much. I was off today, so that's, that's I guess, the unusual thing about Friday, but I'm good. Yourself? Dude, you're off every day, if you know what I mean. Hashtag high heat. I, tell me, a, <laughs> don't be don't be sharing my secrets with the world, you know? Like people say, what day are you working? And I go, let's see. Well, the schedule says. <laughs> the survey schedule says. says <laughs> indeed, the schedule says. Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, but work and now. <laughs> I'm doing great. Hey, thank you again for inviting me over to watch the Super Bowl. Uh, for those of you who weren't on social media, I posted a picture, went to Jim's place to watch the big game on Monday, Japan time. And it went for the game that went from super bored to super burned for Jim and the rest of the 49ers fans. But Oh, I, was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was I, fun. It was a good game. Well, you enjoyed it up until the end when you turned the TV off. When I like to watch all the stuff that goes on at the end, you just turn the TV off in anger. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, oh, because even even they win or lose, I'm good. I mean, it's over. Well, it is. It is. So that's okay. I recorded the game. I went home and watched all the post-game festivities on my TV, so it's all good. And I still haven't had to sit through the halftime <laughs> performance. My wife usually likes to watch that, and I've always had to watch those, but she didn't have time, so I haven't I haven't seen it, so that's good. Anyway, um, yeah, thank you good. again. Thank you again. It was a good time. It was a good time. Thank all right. For, thank you for the, the sweets. You're welcome. You're welcome. On this week's show, we've got a chat with former Carp and Lions pitcher Deontay Heath. We look mm -hmm. at the Samurai Japan team ahead of some games against a European team, and we take a quick look at camps and hit some high heat. So let's start swinging. Clearing the bases. All right. So big right-hander Deontay Heath. Uh, he actually found me recently on social media, and I thought, hey. Here's a guy, he was such a friendly guy, very accommodating mm. person. He had been on our show a few times as a player. Let me hit him up and see if he wants to come on the show and chat <laughs> and talk about some old times. And so uh, I did. And he said, yeah, uh, we can do that. And so on Wednesday in the morning when I was trying to watch the L.A. Kings get drubbed in New Jersey. <laughs> and so it was a good thing that we were talking because I wouldn't have wanted to sit through that game having that been the only thing on my schedule that day. So it was it was perfect planning. You know, you plan out when your team's going to lose and, and you have to be busy and can't concentrate on it. That's the perfect time. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, when when Deontay was a player, I think he was, let's say, a little bit careful with his comments as a, a number of players are not like the Yomiuri Giants, whose comments tend to be sanitized. <laughs> but in a different way, I think Deontay was just a little bit careful. I think a lot of players are just mainly concerned about saying the wrong thing or mm. generating bulletin board material or mm. finding finding their team having to apologize for something they said. And so they're very careful. But this version, I think, of Deontay was a little more candid and a little more forthcoming. And we discussed his time with the CARP. 
and the Lions and about MPB. And it was fun to catch up. And then one thing before we go to the chat, I was using two devices to record. Mm-hmm. But I didn't start the backup one until a couple of minutes in. And the backup one turned out to have the better sound quality. So you'll hear a switch over in the that toward the beginning. Explains it. Yeah, toward the beginning that uh, it, the quality, the sound quality gets a little bit better. But uh, let's take a listen. Joining us for the first time in a long time is Deontay <laughs> Heath, uh, formerly of the Carp and of the Lions. How are you doing, man? It's great to see you. Good and yourself, John. How are you doing, man? Um, except for this aging thing that this 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 terminal disease called aging, I'm I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, that's everybody says. Hey, man, it beats the alternative. Exactly. exactly. All right, all right. So now uh, let's get into it right away. You look back on your NPB career or your time in Japan <laughs> overall. What are some of the thoughts that that go through your head? So what are uh, some of the great memories that you had and maybe some of the not-so-great memories? Uh, the great memory, I'll say, you know, the first game uh, with Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, you know, my first experience in, J- in Japan, the all-red uniforms going against the uh, Tigers, um, oh. pitching, in the <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> pitching in that stadium uh, down in uh, Kobe mm-hmm. against the Tigers, you know, the... The um, the big tournament they have with high school baseball. Right. Getting to experience that, seeing that, uh, the culture and that. Um, and then we're going over to Sable basketball, going over to Sable Lions, and, you know, making the playoffs in, eight, in 18 and 19. And, you know, winning division and sharing that experience with those guys there and competing. Yeah, I know a lot of people come over and they, and they think, you know, Japan is is going to be a little bit easier than what they experienced in, and it just isn't. It just isn't. So now we often see uh, that teams want want to win, but what was the difference between the CARP and the Lions organizations when it really came down to proving that you want to win more than anything? Say with them, I just felt like when I was with Hiroshima, they had we had a younger team. We had a younger team who was still kind of putting it together. Like uh, uh, for example, Suzuki now that's with the uh, Chicago Cubs. It was his first year; he was a rookie, See, you know, yeah. outstanding player. But you know, he you can tell he was good, but he wasn't. You can tell he was one of the guys, but he he was just young. Mm-hmm. So I felt like he was a younger group there. And with Sabu Lions, I felt like it was a more. Uh, team full of veterans you know just needed a couple pieces here and there and i guess you can kind of compare it to the states uh hiroshima as you know it's a, it's a national league team the hitters hit and with the lions it's like the american league team you know the dh so i feel like they had the hitters and you know just needed pitching here and there gotcha okay so they just needed less at the time now the Giants in the Central League and the Hawks in the Pacific League, these are two organizations that really focus on the importance of winning games, whether it's a spring training game or a practice game, it doesn't matter. 
Um, what was your sense of this notion and this policy of wins in NPV? Going against those two teams, like you said, it's just the tradition to win. And you can kind of, you can see that. Um, and the fan base is great everywhere in Japan, but I think when you go to the Hawks and the Giants, it's, you can tell the difference. <laughs> it's a different, different atmosphere there. Um, but you, you can tell also with the organization, they you know both of those teams have a lot of money and they show it with the players that they get. Um, you know, they need something right away. They have it most of the time in the minor leagues. If not, they're going you know, across the waters to get them, and they're getting big-time players. Now you say you can sense a little bit that there's something different in terms of winning. What, what can you sense as a player just being on the field? It just seems like at those two places, like it's hard to beat them at home, at the Giants' place, and then you know at the Hawks. And you know once those crowds get going, it's hard to stop them. Now you spent some time in the indie league with the uh, Thunderbirds in Toyama. What was that experience like? Oh man, that was an experience for me. Uh, it was more so the countryside of Japan, you know, as you know, um, like with the MPB teams, how we go for like a game, a couple games out of the year, we go to the countryside, but I was, you know, living in the countryside. Mm. So it was good to see another side of Japan and travel, but it was a great experience. Um, it's not the MPB at all, but you still have, you know, smaller fan base, but they're still loyal fans and love baseball. But the work ethic is still the same. Mm, okay. So the players are working as just as hard. They're just not as talented, but the work is, is, is the same. Yes. Yes. And you, I mean, some players, you know, before they get to the MPB, they play in, you know, those leagues or with some of those teams. Gotcha. Like, for example, uh, Genda with uh, the Lions. He started in, you know, the Industrial League, I think. Yeah, that, that, that was different. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some guys, I think Kakunaka with the Marines is the guy. And actually, uh, you know, the guy that's with the Tigers now, the bullpen guy, he was actually in Toyama my first year. He's with the Tigers now. Okay. He's with Team Japan. Uh, Asiyama? No, what is his last name? Big picture, right? He's in the bullpen. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know. But in Toyama, we called him uh, Young Boy. That was his name. Young Boy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yuasa. Yuasa Atsuki. 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 There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, now I understand uh, the indie league is a lot different so i'm i'm assuming you had a different experience with interpreters and maybe dragging the field and involvement with equipment <laughs> and things of that nature how was that for you uh, all the above minus the uh train, the interpreter <laughs> we didn't have an interpreter there but um we were fortunate in toyama we had daishi he's actually with uh chiba now like doing scouting mm-hmm. and he spoke he spoke english so he helped us out with that with the translation but the dragging the fields taking care of the fields you know you just it was different you know like I said it's not the MPB so it just made you appreciate you know those guys in the MPB the grounds crew and you know guys behind the scene that you know kind of take for granted sometimes yep yep I know now Jim always talks about like non-American players who go to foreign countries to play and that transition so how was that transition when you played in Japan, and how was that con- transition when you played in Mexico? Um, the transition coming over to Hiroshima the first year, 
it was quite easy because you know they opened me with welcome uh welcomed me with open arms there um and you know with the translator then the american players as far as like brad elders he kind of gave me the rope showed me you know where to go and the interpreter the translators there took us to the restaurants you know, that had English menus and the kind of food that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of branched out to the Japanese restaurants. So it always felt like, you know, you wanted a taste of home or something like that. You went to certain restaurants. So that made it easy for us. Um, and like I said, with Brad showing me the ropes in Hiroshima, with me going over to Cebu Lions, you know, I was able to show guys that, you know, same thing. So that made the transition a lot easier, moving around Tokyo and stuff like that with the trains. So he helped me out a lot with that. So how did that whole experience impact your experience in Mexico? In Mexico, uh, it was night and day, actually. Uh, there, you know, in Japan and Mexico, it's still the same game as, as baseball, the game that, you know, we're playing. But there, the language barrier, uh, it wasn't as bad because the guy spoke English. A little bit more, yeah, I spoke English, um, so that helped out. But with just being in another country, uh, it was the same. You know, when you're hearing the fans yelling, you don't understand what they're saying, and whether it's Japanese or, you know, Spanish. So it kind of helped you focus a little bit more, I feel like. Okay. Now, uh, I believe you overlapped, your career overlapped with Takahiro Arai with the CARP uh, one season. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I love him as a manager. What did you see in him that might have suggested that he would one day have a role as a field manager? Uh, he was just a leader. You can just tell. Um, he was there with, um, I'm drawing a blank. Um, now that was the year, that was 2015. That was 2015 because he came from Hampton Tigers. Uh, but he connected with everyone, you know, whether they spoke they were Japanese or foreign players. He made the connection with him and he just brought that veteran presence to the, you know, to the field every day, whether he's doing good or bad. Mm -hmm. So that leadership role. Now, you know, I, I I see guys too. And I'm thinking, how do you look at a teammate or a coach and eventually say, you know, that guy would make a good manager. What are the qualities that you look for? just knowing the game and the way they interact with the players usually the pitchers kind of stay towards the pitchers and hitters you know stay towards the hitters but we have that one player that can mingle with both i think that's what makes them you know great managers they see both sides of the game gotcha gotcha now how come you are not on the field as a coach or a manager? <laughs> uh right now um just trying to make the transition to see you know what's next but you know, it's, it's been on the mind about doing that, but just haven't took the step yet. Well, let's get, let's make, you know, get the shoes on and <laughs> get it going. Well, what I would like to do is uh, actually, like, <clears throat> someone, like, in my position that was in the States, I was up and down the big leagues, AAA, and I would like, and with my experience, we're going overseas to Mexico, Brixton, and the KBO, and then in Japan to, like, help guys, like, um, do the scouting with that to get certain players to come over. Because like you said, like you said earlier, um, it's not for everyone. And people think when they come over, it's, you know, it's a step down. And you're starting to see that now. It's not. Yeah, in some cases. Yep, yep. 
All right, last one. Uh, what's your take on so many Japanese players going to the big leagues now from Kodai, Senga to obvious superstars and two-way players? <laughs> <laughs> Man, uh, it was a pleasure, you know, playing against those guys and seeing them. I mean, you knew they had that big factor, and now it's just opening up the eyes more over in Japan, you know? Um, and we're, we're doing it. It's like some of us, you know, the 4A guys, what they consider, the guys going over to Japan, we're going there and they're coming to the major leagues. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, but I think, I mean, it's a great combination because, I mean, it's no secret they work harder than the guys in the MLB. Uh, Sometimes I think it's maybe not the smartest way to do it, the way they go about it, maybe do it a little too much, work too hard. Um, but, you know, it, it has its pros and cons because you have off days over in Japan, the travel days is lighter. Um, so I think with those guys coming over, they just have to get adjusted to that. The travel, the BP, shagging for BP is some of the pitchers because, you know, in Japan you come out, the pitchers throw, run, and you go in before they even start hitting sometimes. Mm, yep. So that's an adjustment. Sure it is. All right, Deontay Heath, we uh, enjoyed watching you play here in Japan and certainly enjoyed this chat. Thank you very much for taking the time. I know you're busy. All right. Thanks again, Deontay. You know, after the chat, you know, he said, how long is this going to take? And you can hear his kids. He's got two kids, a boy and a girl, and I think they're teenage uh, kids. And you can hear some noise in the background, but he but they all settled down and and then he was able to get into the chat. But after, you know, he said, how long is it going to take? And I said, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe. And uh, we did the recording and then he and I talked for another 30, 40 minutes afterwards. (laughs) <laughs> Way so to go. I, I had to listen to this recording twice to make sure I don't say anything about things that we talked about off mic because mm. I <laughs> talked about so many things. But what stood out for you? Oh, gee, a couple of things. First of all, um, of course, when the sound quality improved, I thought, wow, how wonderful is it to hear him again? Mm. Because he was such a pleasant guy and such a cheerful person. Um he and still I, is. I, I know. <laughs> and, and that's that that hit back to me how much we miss him. Uh, you know, he's he's part of this generation of players who's come to Japan and have made Japan a better place mm, by coming definitely. here. Mm. And so we're proud of them all. And it was so great to catch up with him. Uh, a couple of things. I think. uh I thought it was interesting. I know you were you kept trying to get to the the question of what is it that makes you know these teams with winning traditions special, and you know, and he did say the obvious one is one. Of course, they can go out. They have that lifeline. They have the money. The moolah, yes, <laughs> the green. Well, that, yeah, it's a of different course, colors in Japan, but <laughs> yeah, indeed. But sometimes, and, and sometimes, of course, it ends up with getting guys like Juan Francisco who don't really want to be here. <laughs> You know, so that, that happens too. Uh, the Giants uh, are notorious for getting poor value for their money, but that is an option that some teams, a lot of teams, don't have. Okay, so there's that. But I thought the the one thing that caught me was it's hard to come back against the Giants when the Giants are at home, mm. and I I think that is really true. Um, the Giants fans are really not all that noisy. Until they're winning. 
you know, it's like when everything goes right. Okay, I mean, that's a little pejorative because I know there are fans, Giants fans who are absolutely typical fans and nuts and, and you know, and loyal and, and so on. But most of the Giants fan behavior is a microcosm of my fan behavior, which they get excited when they're winning. <laughs> and I mean, in, what I mean is in, in reference to me is if my teams in the U.S. are not doing anything, I'm perfectly fine. If they're bad, wait, 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 time uh, out. You're perfectly fine. Finish that sentence. Not watching them or paying attention to them. Sure, sure. You know, (laughs) I'll look and see how they're doing. Yes. Usually partway through the season and see how they're doing. And if they're doing well, then I'll be paying a little more attention. I'll be paying a little more attention if they're doing well at the end of the season. Oh, you know, this is fun. And if they're not doing well, yeah, it's normal. Okay, so that's the way Giants fans tend to be in games. You know, they go to the game and it's an event and blah, blah, blah. And the Giants win. Oh, when they're winning, it's like, aren't we great? Aren't we fabulous? And they start making lots of noise. So I I certainly believe there's kind of a switch there. Uh, We've we've witnessed that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, The comments about independent ball were interesting, Uh, interesting, especially in the light of remembering Atsuki Uwasa and a lot. So many uh, guys are now in NPB who did very well in independent ball. And Mm. of course, you mentioned Atsuya Kakunako, who was the first uh, batting champion out of independent ball. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's there's quite a few now. And of course, with the the SoftBank Hawks uh, ability to have a huge part of their active starting roster and starting rotation coming out of the, the uh, developmental draft, mm-hmm. you know, guys who were selected after every other team passed on them. Numerous times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know that NPB does not offer jobs to all the people who are capable of be- becoming star baseball players. Mm-hmm. Many of them are not getting jobs. So it doesn't surprise me, uh, even though the independent ball thing is a very small, I mean, it's like a, it's an amazingly small thing, but it is quite fun. And the fans are s- small and few in number, but quite, um, quite passionate. It, it's been, it is fun to watch. Okay. And the last thing I would want to say is, talking about the future, about helping people go to Japan. And the one line he said, well, two lines he said, really, really got to me because I, I, I completely agree. It's not for everyone. A lot of people think it's a step down, but it's not. Mm. I love that. That is such an, you know, it might be a little step sideways, but for most people, it's a step up. <laughs> Because if you're coming from AAA and partly in MLB, it's a hard, it's not appreciably harder than what you've been doing. Oh, sure. I should say it's not. It's probably appreciably harder than what you're doing. It's not. Uh, it's not all that less difficult than MLB. Partly because it's in another country, but also because the best players in Japan are are not all that different from the best players in MLB. Mm-hmm. So. Or at least, yeah, at the very least at, at AAA level. So yeah, you you get that. So yeah, I, I like the the notion that the the Giants fans here in Japan are results based fans, 
because I had said that for years. A lot of times, mm. uh, I, the Giants fans I knew would flip the game on in the seventh inning and yell at the manager for bringing in a relief pitcher whose name they didn't know. And if they were, <laughs> and if they were winning, well, they if it would was say, "Don't inning. bring this guy in." If it was a ninth inning, uh, or or you know, and they it was a close game and they they gave up the lead or something like that, they would just yell at the manager. And I like you know, the game's not over and. Uh, that was when I really realized that I was really good at telling people how to root for their teams, but I did the same things when I was rooting for my team. So I wasn't good at taking my own advice, <laughs> mm. but I was really good at offering sound, I mean, quality advice about how not to yell at your manager. <laughs> mm. All those things I did last season to you privately, right? <laughs> yelling about my manager in a text <laughs> the yeah well you know actually i would i would comment that i would think last year the giants fans were were shouting about pitchers in the eighth inning that the giants manager didn't know who they were <laughs> because he couldn't get rid of them fast enough <laughs> True. and and then would say we don't uh, we, well he knew he didn't know their names because he said we don't have any pitchers <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> oh my old Tatsunari Hara. Oh, We're gonna boy. miss him. Yeah. All right. So I guess um the thing that stood out most for me is I mean it's just it's just fun when you when we get to talk to these players uh after they've been out of Japan for a little bit and they mm. bring up these these the times that they remember and to hear Deontay talk about Seiya Suzuki as a young player who, mm. you know, he was good, but he was up and coming. So he was learning a lot. There was a lot of growth that had to be made, essentially, is what he's saying. And we always, I mean, for me, I just remember, us. Oh, this Suzuki kid is pretty good. He's hitting for power. He's getting some clutch hits here and there. Um, he seems to be good. He just seemed to be good right away for me. But you, you hear Deontay describe him as a young player and you can... I mean, for me, I just understood him to be saying that, look, this was not a polished veteran player. This was a guy who was still in the development phase, but he was good, you know, and he, obviously I'm not sure that anyone knew immediately that he was destined for the big leagues. And I really think he's going to have a good season, a better season or his best season uh, in the major leagues this year for the Cubs. So we'll see. But you know, just like Munetaka Murakami of the Swallows, I, I just think, you know, we didn't know that this guy's going to play and have a good career in the in the major leagues. And we don't know that about Murakami, but we, we're sure we're pretty sure he's going <laughs> the way the scouts love him. So that was one thing. And then I love Deontay's description about playing against teams like Yomiri and, and Salping, just like you said, and how it was a challenge to play them on the road. And it just sounds like you go into these parks and, you know, you might face the ace, you might not be facing the ace, but you just know these players, just as Deontay said, they're doing something different. There's something different going on, especially on the road. So that makes it a, a big challenge. And I I, I don't know. I, I guess the process is more like, you know, let's get in there and try to get a game out of here and not get swept. And then if we get that one game, let's see what happens from there. You know, that kind of approach rather than trying to go in and saying, hey, man, we're going to mash these guys and, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's a good team or a bad team. So I, I'm just, you know, you get a sense because, again, when these guys are active players, I don't think they want to give too much out and and they don't want to give us too much information. But, you know, every player says, you know, we got to take it one day at a time. And then 
later on you hear them say, yeah, when I got the schedule, I used to look at this team and say, oh, we have, we, we have this, this is going to be a win. This is going to be a win. This is going to be a win. And you hear these things after the fact, but they never say that when they're active players. They always say one one day at a time, one game of a, at a time. We got to stay where our feet are planted and blah, 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 blah. Right, buddy. We know Dude. what's going on. <laughs> Dude, they got cliche quotas to meet. <laughs> so do you. It's in their contract. <laughs> We don't have contracts at JBW, so that's a good thing. <laughs> no, they're all by our own volition. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that was it. Was just really fun to hear uh, Deontay talk, and I, you know the indie ball situation. Remember, I went, I was able to go to Ishikawa Prefecture one time right. and talk to Julio Franco, and mm. I saw all those guys dragging the field. I saw them collecting the baseballs after batting practice. I saw them doing all the little things. And you hear Deontay say, yeah, you know, you get a different kind of new kind of appreciation for the ball, the ball boys and the grounds crew and all those people who make the games smooth and go uh, make the whole process go faster. And, you know, you arriving to the park, you got to get there early to drag the field. When you're in indie ball, you got to stay late afterward and clean up. And, you know, there aren't people taking care of you all over the place. He says different from the from NPB. And I, I want everyone to know out there, there is no the in front of NPV, we don't say the MLB, so don't say the MPV. I hear that a lot, even from some of the players who were here before. So uh, let's let's erase that. But awesome talk, awesome chat. Loved talking to Deontay. And yeah, I'm so glad he hit me that. up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Deontay. All right, making a force team transition. We have the Samurai Japan team playing some games next month in Osaka. The games are March sixth and seventh and they have some sponsor based name but i'm going to just call them the samurai japan series a couple mm. of games against europe so uh this was your topic you wanted to talk about something yeah, specific not 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 so much this is going to be uh hirokazu ibata's uh, hero hirokazu ibata is japan's interim manager well i mean he's he is the manager but his <laughs> you, job... you're trying to get rid of the dude already man he just started <laughs> but he has the job through November. Well, everybody signed to a contract when they take the job, right? It's not it's not in perpetuity. I mean, no, but typically the job in the past was through the next WBC. And right. This his was not, which okay. was a very smart move because his his experience had been uh briefly as a coach. Yes, very limited coaching experience. Yeah. I understand. Coach with yeah, so he coached a couple times yeah. for the national team and I think he coached with the Giants as well. You got to earn so, it, son. Earn it. No, exactly. But they had a bad result the first time they hired a manager who had no coaching experience whatsoever. We're not here to talk about the past. We're not here to talk about the past. That was okay. a different dude. It was a different dude. Okay, that was a different dude. <laughs> and he's grown up too. So more power to him. But the but Ibata, you know, he did a very he he did a very professional job last November in his first work. And this is not going to be a huge challenge, but of course, the big challenge is selecting a team. And he picked a very young team, which is fine. He picked uh, four college players, which is the first first for Japan to pick four. You know, the last time they had four college players on a national team was when uh, professionals weren't going all over the you know weren't filling up the olympic team mm, right right so uh he's got four college players uh it, i guess i you know i don't want to think it's noteworthy that roki sasaki is not on the team similar players are 
similar young pitchers are, but mm. he's not. But I could also imagine Lotte saying, look, you know, give him a break. He's probably going to pitch in November in the Premier 12. So, you know, his season's long enough as it is. Yeah, and so, he pitched in the WBC last year. Sure. Him, yeah. Sure. No breaks. So there and are. And he's ours. <laughs> right. Uh, Hiro Miyagi was a reliever in the WBC. He'll be on the team. And uh, some position players who are on the team are going to be are going to be back. But yeah, it's it's fun. I guess the most interesting thing is that it's going to be we're going to have a little old friend alert. Old friend alert. Old friend old alert. Friend alert. We, gotta, yeah. we need we need a drop for that. Okay. We do. We do. <laughs> I'll try to think of one. <laughs> okay, please. And that uh, one of the two of the coaches for the Europe, uh, the Europe uh, All Star European All Stars, I guess one is a. Uh, Pavel Chavim, who was the uh, coach, the the manager for the Czech Republic in the WBC, mm-hmm. and so he'll be back in Japan. And he's his day job, um, you know, people. His day job is as a brain surgeon, so it's kind of a step down, one would think. Hey, man, <laughs> managing people is more difficult than brain surgery. <laughs> At least you know where the the parts are and what they're going to do with the people you don't. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll have to ask him that. Yeah, they're and, separate uh, challenges. Yeah. And the other the other is Alessandro Maestri, who will be a coach with the uh, European team, and he's an Italian native, formerly played for Italy and the Oryx Buffaloes. Mm-hmm. The maestro. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I used to love stories that had Italy international Alessandro Maestri in a in a baseball story. So he's back. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk with him. So that was really all it is. It's going to be a you know, it's a. But this is the thing: Japan is committed to these. You know, they're not big deals, but these no. March November international team, you know, picnics. Picnic. You know, they, they get together and they, you know, they see their buddies and, but they learn things, you know, there's some learning going on because they're still among the better, uh, the better players in NPB. And Mr. Ibata had an, had a nice comment for the college players when asked why he's choosing college players. He said, players in the college ranks are some players in the college ranks are going to be playing for the national team in the future. And I want this to be one of their goals. So let's bring them on board and get their feet wet. And I thought that was that was a very an unusually intelligent thing to say for a Japanese national team manager. It's a savvy, yeah, it's a savvy comment. I like it already. But um I haven't heard that much from him. Remember, I saw him a lot on Proyaki News. I guess we mm. have seen him in the past two seasons on there. And you know, he just was not a talkative guy. And he's not. I, but I've heard him do radio, so I I know he's capable. And when we saw him do Proyaki News, he had no trouble with that. So I think he'll be a good communicator in that. He just won't mince words, you know, <laughs> get right to the point with his yeah, players. Yeah, mince words and... is not his problem. I nope. mean, no, no, no he's, no. he's not going to be jibber-jabber. <laughs> but I do, I do caution you. Remember the way the Czech Republic played in the WBC, I just I, I don't think I have high expectations for the European team, but no. I do expect to see good competition from them. And and a lot. Oh, I think so. Yeah, so I think it's going to be compelling stuff. And that's at Kyocera Dome again, March sixth and seventh. So that should be fun. Hmm. Okay, making a two seam transition. We haven't seen much going on at the camps here 
in the various spots in Okinawa and Miyazaki and other parts. Uh, but I have seen something that did catch my eye. I don't know if you oh. saw it because I did. I do watch the news and it seems, I mean, again, I did mention before, Show Nakata has been for some reason a focal point of the news cameras for, for whatever reason, who knows why. But, uh, you know, we have every year or every season, we get some legendary players who come back to their old teams and they stand in for a week or so and do some coaching, especially when the cameras are turned on or trained on to them. And, you know, you see them explaining things and touching the players and getting their bodies into position, all those kinds of, you know, it's just it's just like it seems like photo op time to me. But. Uh, so we have seen Hideki Matsui come back and coach with the Giants. We've seen Daisuke Matsuzaka, who's a TV reporter now, but uh, and he goes around to various camps. So he's not just he wasn't just with the Lions, but he did go back to the Lions uh, camp to to do some coaching. And uh, Takashi Toritani went back to the Tigers, and he was working with uh, some of the players there, including Seiya Kinami and working with him on some specific drills to make him get his or to help him uh, be quicker with his feet but also Hiroki Kuroda was back with the carp now I'm not sure he fits into the legend category I want to know where you stand on that because I I, I'm like you know he's probably a carp legend but I don't know if he he's up there with the Toritanis and the Matsuzakas and the Matsis I'm just you know I'm not even sure Toritani is up there but he, he's such a he's such a huge figure with the and such a popular player he was with the Tigers. Maybe he for on popularity, just on a popularity basis, I think he fits in. But Kuroda, legendary. Well, I I will say from my estimates, he's essentially middle of the road for mm. pitchers in, for pitchers in the in the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame. Mm. But he's he's uh, he's above the median. And that's a pretty high standard. I, okay, there's a few guys in there who it's like you 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 have to wonder, you know, who slept with who that this person is in the Hall of Fame. Wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me neither. <laughs> but you know, or in in one case, who died? And we know the answer to that one. But uh, no, he's one of the, he was. Uh, I was very happy that he got in. I thought he was very representative of the Hall of Fame. So I I tend to think of him as a pretty big player. I think, of course, that had he played for a halfway decent team for his career in Japan, mm-hmm. instead of just two years with the Carp, you know, the first nine years, if he had played for a good team, this is a guy who could have had a tremendous record if he had played for a team with, a, with, a, with a, any kind of a decent offense. Yeah, I, I remember you saying that in the past, and 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 I agreed. And um, yeah, I'm, still we can't look at just his numbers and all that stuff. But I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of popularity. Yeah, maybe in the southern region of Japan. Yeah, maybe reaches maybe, legendary. Maybe, but, but we don't yeah. live down there. But no, certainly, that's true. Mm. Um, that is true. And he's always he's an intriguing character. And of course, I, I'm I'm fond of him because I I find talking to him very uh, intriguing. He's he's challenging. He challenges you with things he says. Um, what he says is often ha- has fairly deep meaning, mm-hmm. uh, and he he really he's a he strikes you as being a very smart guy. 
as well as an extra incredibly tough guy. So I'm 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 completely taken by him. <laughs> so so I'm a I'm the wrong person to ask. I think he's a great person to uh whether he's whether he's of course in camp saying things that are incomprehensible, I <laughs> doubt that. I think that he saves that for reporters with you know with uh with pretensions such as myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right well i guess we'll stick him in there so uh the other thing i i hope we can see more of uh yuki watarai of the bay stars now he was a popular uh draft pick coming out and and uh the bay stars had to win a a lottery to, to mm. win his negotiating rights and they did mm-hmm. and uh he was a star in the corporate leagues but um uh you know i think he's going to be and we no no because I didn't even see much of him. I did I do remember seeing a few games on cable TV, the corporate championships and all those things. But and mm-hmm. I didn't know who he was. So uh, when I saw him at the end of the game, and he was on the podium because I think he had a walk off home run in one of those games. And I don't know if it was. It must have been for the championship. But anyway, um, you know it's it's really hard to judge these guys. So he, he you know I've seen him get some hits here in camp and they're showing him having some success but I don't know if that's going to translate to him being a first year uh everyday player but we'll see. Uh I I I'm just hoping, you know, <laughs> I don't know what I'm hoping because the Dragons had a chance to get him and they couldn't win the lottery so they didn't get him. So uh but if he does well with the Bay Stars I'll be happy because uh they, they can use that uh some kind of spark and he does have a lot of personality that's for sure. Okay. I, I just think of him as, you know, his his fa- I remember his father as a player. So it's uh, Yeah. Father played for the Swallows with an outfielder for the Swallows. Oh, in, okay. In the, in the 80s and 90s. All right, let's go to fielding questions. All right, we've got two questions if we have time, which we should to get to. First one comes from our old friend Dave in Baltimore who mentioned that he might be able to take a trip to Japan again. Uh, I think he said this year. So we definitely, Dave, are looking forward to seeing you. And this time, I'll make sure Jim comes <laughs> and we can go to, I guess, where did we go before? I guess it was uh, Shake Shack, because that that's the only thing I remember. And that's yeah, where... well, I ran into Dave. Dave passed me in the... Uh passed me as I was leaving Jingu Stadium talking to players and he was coming in. He was getting all I was going into the subway and he was coming out. Was it what about five five years ago or so? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the last time he's here. So all right. Mm-hmm. So Dave says, hey, glad to hear the new podcasts and congratulations on year 14. Got a question about the new farm teams that aren't really farm teams, the ventures and the Albirex. The current draft rules for players who go to the corporate leagues or the independent leagues instead of MPBR graduating from college or high school is that they have to wait two or three years respectively before they can enter the draft again. Since the new farm teams are essentially independent league teams playing in MPB run leagues, are their players subject to the same restrictions or could a high school graduate from last year who didn't enter the draft last year sign with Niigata and be draft eligible this year? I realize it's kind of an esoteric question, but I've been trying to figure out how these teams are going to work. I could see that making those teams more attractive to players if they weren't subject to the same restrictions. Dave, Jim, so well, like three esoteric, questions. <laughs> esoteric is my middle name. I, didn't do that. <laughs> I thought it was just Eric. All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's Patrick Esoteric. 
<laughs> okay. So just so you know. Uh, yeah, the, the new teams are, I'm going to quote a, my favorite Marvel superhero movie, are like uh, a character from one of these Marvel superheroes. Somebody his underling says, the slaves, the slaves are rebelling. And he says, you know, I hate that word. Oh, I'm sorry. The labor, the prisoners with jobs. <laughs> and that's that's what these two teams are. They're essentially independent league teams that are there to give NPBs, uh, top farm leagues, more games to play and a better schedule. Because by adding two teams, they have balanced the leagues for the first time since 2004 mm -hmm. with an even number of teams. That's essentially their purpose. They're filled with... Uh, a lot of the players are second guy, uh, second chance guys who ran out of their, lost their jobs in NPB mm -hmm. through injury or this or that or the other. As, uh, as we said, there are lots of guys who can play at a very high level who are missed by who are missed by the draft and then missed by their teams. Um, so these guys exist. And some of them, and the, I would be surprised if there are not a couple of guys at this this level. Now, as far as the the draft rules go, apparently these teams are completely independent. They got no rights for anything except to play games against NPB minor league teams. They are they're basically on their own. The as far as they're being drafted, my guess is that they will be their players will be drafted as if they were independent minor league teams. Uh, now, as far as draft exemptions, if you go now, I have to see who the current draft rules uh, read the question again. Let's go to corporate leagues of the influence. Okay. So high school players, if they leave high school for one year, it, everything depends on whether they are drafted or not. And if they are drafted, they have to, and they're playing baseball after they are drafted and don't sign, they have to, they cannot re-enter the draft for two years. Mm -hmm. But if they're not drafted, they could go play independent ball and come back the next year. And be draft eligible. And be draft eligible, correct. Okay. And they would also count as post-high school guys. Uh, so there are lots of advantages to that. Uh, they get a shorter domestic free agency period. But there are, but yeah, by and large, these teams are uh, make believe expansion. <laughs> in fact, they were when they were instituted, as I wrote in my blog a couple of weeks ago, they were instituted only because they would never lead to expansion. That was a condition of their existence. Gosh, so they're alternative. They're yeah, they're, alternative they're, teams. they're they're all they're they are uh, essentially lip service to necessary improvements, but without actually making improvements. You know, it's we're trying when we're not. That's the owners talking. Which was going to be my comment, Dave? Which is the whole notion of ushering in new teams in let's say in a generation so this team again i always reference my basketball but this this is relevant this really is relevant because when you form a new team in japan on the club level you are required to start at the bottom 
no matter how good your team is, you can have a team of X NBA players and they're all, <laughs> you all have to start at the bottom and work your way up to the division through the division. So level division four up to division one. And so you play some pretty bad teams and you can beat them, but you have to play there. So essentially, uh, if you're ushering in new teams, it'd be interesting to see how they do this. But uh, essentially, because it's a new team, it shouldn't be as good as the already existing teams, right? You're talking about new players. You're talking about young players. You're talking about uh, old players or, as you described, players who haven't been able to make it so far. So essentially, we're ostensibly saying that they're probably not going to be as talented. But uh, still, that team has to work its way up. So I, I think you know, you're know you ushering in a new team and eventually if there's a secession plan so that this team works its way through um, not not necessarily winning a minor league championship but being competitive in the minor leagues and then they say okay now that we have this team that's up and running and it's it seems to have developed and it has generated uh, x number of wins in a season maybe we can think about making this team uh npb team and putting it on the top or up with the top teams and having actual expansion but you're saying they already made a deal that so the it would not the plan be is that expansion never happen in fact they chose these well you know there is a thing about it i mean i could see it happening but only after a massive change in plans uh this is the what they've done in taiwan although not through competition they've added the they've gone from four to six teams in taiwan by adding teams at the minor league level for a year mm -hmm. and letting them sort things out and this will increase um incrementally increase the number of baseball jobs in japan which is a good thing mm -hmm. and it will increase the level of professional competition slightly which is a good thing always yeah but you know that's really about and it's going to vastly increase i think the minor league both the the seasons in the eastern and western leagues are going to expand dramatically in the number of games and that's a big thing that's a that's quite a good thing yeah i i, I would i wish there was a plan in place that the, you know the team has to play minor league games for at least two to three seasons and then maybe have an opportunity at maybe some play-in games when like a play-in series if it can win a series against uh the teams that finish in the top part of the uh, minor leagues or play for the minor leagues japan series and I've... they could play one of those games have a play-in and say if you win those games you can you can advance to the top division i i would have my my choice would have been yes to think of something like that and start by having them take part in the NPB draft. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things they could even have them take part in the developmental draft. draft. There's no reason why everybody on their teams couldn't be on a developmental contract since they're only playing what they're not allowed to play first team games. Yeah, and make rules that okay if you want to, and that they could sell those players or trade them or whatever. Uh. uh you know, like like actual minor league teams used to exist in America before uh, Branch Rickey ruined minor league baseball. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about fake, fake expansion then. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's fake not really... or, yeah. Or super, superficial at superficial? best. Superficial. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, so, sorry, Dave. I guess, you know, the, the rules are not going to be 
they're not going to matter. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I would imagine if this team isn't going, then what are they going to do with the players who are first team ready then? Nothing. They, they'll they probably go in. The, the players who are who are good enough to play in NPB will get drafted. And then what, what does the team get? Nothing. <laughs> This doesn't sound like a good plan. I, 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 you know, I was with Dave. I thought this was going to be something that over time we're going to see develop and it's and and blossom into a full fledged MPP. I think if they could do, they could certainly. Maybe do they can that. rewrite those w- rules at some point. They can. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible. I mean, that, that that to me, that's the plan. If you're going, if you were going to have expansion, that's the way to do it: is to have a bunch of teams and then. When the first two teams are ready, they go in one league, and when the next two teams are ready, they go in the other league, and so the schedules are are balanced and easy to manage. No, but, the schedules wouldn't be balanced. Oh, you said two teams in each league each time. Yeah, do it the so way two, they did two in MLB. League, right? Two teams in the central league at once, and then two teams in the Pacific. Correct, league. or okay. either or the other way around. But okay. do it the way they did it in MLB, which was to add two teams to each league at each time okay. instead of one at a time, which yeah. is the way they would certainly do it in Japan because it's uh, back ass words. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag high heat. Back ass words. <laughs> you got me, man. That's a good one. <laughs> Common one for where I'm from. <laughs> well, I've only heard ass backwards, but back ass words is great. <laughs> Okay. Wow. All right. Next question is from Glenn in Tokyo, and this comes via email as well. And he says, hey, chaps, serving my way through the endless channels of MPB preseason training sessions this past weekend, I wondered if all this huffing, huffing, pitch counting and endless running up and down the hill behind the stadium. Yes, you, Hiroshima, actually meant anything in terms of roster spots. Do players actually have a chance to play their way onto the main roster in NPB, or is it pretty locked up before they even turn up? Cheers, as always, for the awesome work. All right, Glenn, thank you for the awesome talking points. So I'll go first on this one, if you don't mind. My observation, I, do, I do not mind. Go okay. My observation of these situations is that they are all fluid. So no situation mimics another. There's not a team. Each team is different. They have different situations on their rosters. Their respective players are different. The star quality at the position of newcomers is different. So there's no situation that could fit any two players or any situation in which you could say, well, this guy is not, it can't, there's no way he can work his way onto a roster because we've seen some teams bend over backwards to, to fit players who can hit into certain situations and other guys who can't uh, end up on the farm. So you can play your way in and out just depending on, on the team. But I think in the draft, there are legitimate upgrades in some of the pieces who come into some teams and their expectations placed upon those players. And certainly a talented young player can earn a spot. But we've seen some some players who maybe came unexpected. I mean, Yoshinobu Yamamoto was a guy who came with fourth, almost... Huh? Fourth round pick in 2016. All right. So it was a fourth round draft pick and he came out of the bullpen. They weren't even sure what he was going to do, but he did. Well, actually, he, actually, he was a starter his first year, limited. I, I remember then... him coming out of the bullpen. Oh, limited. Yeah. But I yeah. remember, I just remember seeing him on the bullpen. He was a shutdown bullpen guy for that. That was his second year. Uh, he was, he was, he got votes for rookie of the year and he had a huge number of holds. Okay. A limited number of games in, in, in second year, but then he didn't. He didn't get that many starts. Then I'm assuming in the in the 
early in this rookie that first rookie season first year he's i think he started five uh he started maybe three games and uh he was he might have relieved his first two and then he started the last three but he was being brought up once every 10 days for a yeah. stretch okay so suffice to say he, he there weren't a lot of expectations placed upon him he wasn't a high ground uh, draft pick and he worked his way onto the roster and and so it's possible and so I see that happening. But let's say you're behind a big star. You know, there's a Yamakawa or somebody like that or uh, Murakami in, in your way. You're not going to you're not going to play your way past that guy. And you're and if you only have limitations of one position, you're not going to earn a roster spot. So that's what I mean. Everything's kind of fluid. And I'm sure you understand that, Glenn. Um, and I'm pretty sure that when you look around at some of the rosters, that there are guys who because the let's say the incumbent player has more versatility than the up and coming player. If you're that good that they'll move an incumbent player, <laughs> then you better be, you better, you, you better earn that spot. I mean, by hitting in the regular season too, because the incumbent is probably not going to be very happy, but you know, I, I think there's just so many different uh, situations on each team that it's hard to say, but I'm certain that if you do well in the spring and you have a strong spring and you, impress the coaches and not necessarily with the results, but with how you work and um, how you go out each day and, and your process is good that they'll trust that the good process will lead to good results and you, you can earn a job, Jim. No, I think, I think what you said is absolutely true. Uh, there are players who, you know, lots of things, if you're, if you're a nobody, if you're really off the radar, it's very hard to make that leap to the first team because, uh, you know, it takes guy. I think back guy like Tetsuya Matsumoto with the Giants, who was the rookie of the year. He was he was a developmental pick mm -hmm. and somebody got hurt. And so they needed to call him over, you know, send us somebody over from the farm team who's, you know, showing the proper attitude. And he was just he this guy just had tremendous attitude mm -hmm. and he hustled and they thought geez you know this guy can actually play baseball okay he's got an arm like a like udon and he doesn't look like he could hit but he could hit you know he he and he was he was a fiery guy and he could he was a good ball player and they said, geez, let's give this guy a chance. Now, that was in the old days of Tatsunori Hara before he thought he was a genius, and, and that was his thing. He'd get guys from the farm team who could play and give them a chance. Many managers do not have that. They're basically saying, this guy's a minor leaguer. He doesn't belong here. We don't want him. Uh, but camp will sometimes put guys, put managers in a bind to where they have to give a guy extended spring training time because he blew away all the guys in the media who are watching him in camp. Mm. And sometimes when that's when that happens, when a guy in spring when a guy in spring training does so well that no matter what the team thinks of him, they have to use him. Mm -hmm. You see that about once every 10 years. A uh, famous example was uh, one year was uh, Takeshi Yamasaki with the Dragons, a guy who chewed up Western League pitching year after year after year, 
did really well in the spring training deal did well whenever he was with the first team, but they always found excuses not to use him. And then one year he hit like 440 in the spring and the media couldn't get enough of him. And they said, okay, we'll hold our nose and put him on the first team roster. And he won the central league batting uh, home run title. Squeeze tight on those noses. Wait a second. Wait a second. And that smells same, good. <laughs> same thing happened with Shigeno Bushima 10 years later. I think just 10 years later. With the carp, yeah. Yeah, with a guy that the a former pitcher that the carp owner had a for some reason did not want to see playing on his team. And would say he doesn't start. He does, I don't want to see him in the field. He's a DH, period. And most of our games are not using the DH. Um, so I don't want to see him playing. But one year in spring training, he was phenomenal. He was so good. The Carp had no choice except to give him a chance. And he won a Central League batting title. So that does happen, but it's pretty rare. Usually it's a, it's a comb, you know, it's a top draft. It's a high round draft choice. Or it's somebody who's had an it's ne almost never because they had an outstanding farm record, especially if they played for the Chinichi Dragons or Hanshin Tigers or DNA Bay Stars, mm. because those teams really couldn't care less what you do in the minor leagues. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think the crux of your question, Glenn, is is well, I know we know he's a Tigers fan, so uh, he's wondering if there's anybody out there who can make the Tigers probably, and and the answer to that right now is I don't know, but uh, I think. Teruaki Sato is gonna gonna have a monster year. That's what I'm thinking. That's my prediction. So, <laughs> but I did see Sheldon Noisy had a knee problem, so there might be some space in the outfield for someone if they. Uh, um, and, and what I mean by knee problem is he just had some issues and he wasn't practicing. Uh, I don't know if that was today or today, meaning Friday or Thursday. But I just know that he is. Um, uh, has some issues and that's that's another way you can get some some more swings as your yep. young player or some something like that when someone gets injured and so uh that that presents an opportunity so um other than that guys you, you won the japan series man <laughs> your team won you're the reigning japan series champions you got no holes apparently <laughs> I, I, i'm having i'm having images i want to uns <laughs> see jim you always gotta take stuff there man you're, you're trying to corrupt me but i will not be corrupted all right john, well. john is incorruptible it seems <laughs> all right glenn uh, and dave thank you so much for the questions and the talking points really appreciate them anyone else who has a question or comment or criticism or whatever you want to give to us or have us talk about hit us up on twitter.com at jbw podcast with the hashtag high heats and emails to y-a-k-y-u-j-o-h-n at gmail.com or voice messages you can send there as well you can Please. also hit us up on the Facebook page and leave us a comment there. Look for us on iTunes and Google Podcasts going strong in 2024. So <laughs> check us out there. We will talk to you next time. Enjoy your spring training. Hey, and watch those games wherever you can see them. Follow the hosts on Twitter at Podcast and at Allen. And feel free to submit your questions by email or tweet with hashtag high heat. Thank you for listening to the
Japan Baseball Weekly.